Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on PBSC with you today. We got a great uh, comment and question from a PBSC listener we wanted to address directly today. He says, I'm a sex and love addict, and I found that I perceive my wife in negative defensive ways. When my wife pulls away from me for mental safety, I perceive it as her wanting to abandon me. How do I repair that? I don't want to continue being so defensive. I understand where my defensiveness came from in the enmeshed life that I lived with my trauma-filled mom. My wife's defense mechanism is omission of information and mental bullying, overtaking conversations or dominating situations. I've never been able to trust my wife due to my mom's training from our enmeshment and her traumas that I took on. How do I get ahead of this and start trusting my wife in healthy ways knowing her defense mechanisms? <clears throat> that is a great question, set of questions. Yeah. Now, I can relate to that really, really well, because I was uh, born to an unwed uh, teenage mom. Uh, well, so I guess she got kind of quickly married, shotgun wedding, mm. <laughs> and I was about to come forth. Um, and bless my mom. I mean, <clears throat> let me just be right up front as I talk about this. My mom and I have a great relationship today. Um, and we, we've been through a lot of growth together and she's, she is truly one of my heroes today. But growing up, my mom came from a very abused family. I won't get into all the ways that she was, but raised by an alcoholic father and a raging mother, uh, it was really brutal for her. And then, you know, um, ending up uh, pregnant with me when she's a teenager, you can only imagine, you know, what she went through. But yeah. she had a lot of uh, really severe mental illness issues as she was raising me. And a lot of that was transferred on to me. And very much what this guy said was my experience. So if we look at that, then, <clears throat> so here, so here I come, raised by uh, extremely challenged, traumatized, abused mother, enmeshment big time. And my mother transferred all of her crap onto me. I was the oldest. I had four younger sisters. And now I get married. 
And as we know, uh, in, in many ways, when we step into our adult relationships, people in our adult lives can take on the persona of people that we experienced when we were young. Mm. That's the way the human brain works. And I often tell couples that I work with, look, um, for example, guys I work with who've married a woman who had extensive trauma and abuse in her past. I say, you have to understand marrying her, you in many ways are going to take on the persona of her male abusers in the past. Mm. Not that she's intentionally trying to do that. But there's in highly emotional situations in your relationship that can't help but happen. And so knowing that, can you step into a place of empathy? Can you step into a place of compassion and kindness, knowing that you're kind of filling that male role of those that mistreated her in the past? Hmm. That was the case with my wife. My wife would take on the persona of my mother. Not that my wife intended to do that, but it was just when we got emotionally charged and here I was an addict, right? Bringing all that to my marriage relationship. But there were many times where I saw in my wife, my mother, and it was really, really difficult for me. And so what we're, so what we're really saying is, okay, you're, you have all of that in your past, this guy with, with his mom, now you're married And this woman that you're married to, you're trying to step into a place of trust and transparency and authenticity, right? Yeah. yeah. And when I tried to do that with my wife, it was excruciatingly difficult because there was a little part of my brain that said, don't trust her, don't trust her, don't trust her, right? Yeah. I learned with my mother, if I put myself out there and was really honest and transparent and expressed my true feelings as a kid. I got squashed, like steamrolled. And now I'm in a marriage where I'm supposed to be authentic and transparent with my wife. And boy, my brain rebelled. There was no way I was going to trust my wife, you know, with that kind of vulnerability. And so that creates a real wall, right? A seeming impasse as you're trying to navigate that marriage relationship. Because in my case, my mom kept showing up figuratively speaking. And my wife would take on my mother's persona and I found it enormously difficult. And so he says, how do I get ahead of this and start trusting my wife in healthy ways? Great question. Yeah, it is. So so with that history, let's launch into how you would tackle such a thing. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's made even more difficult by the fact if, if, you know, when you're, when you're talking about bringing, this is just one of those ways, right? And, and I love how you shared, Mark, how trauma is like the gift that just keeps on giving. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> um, it's like the golden goose, but I, what, what would be the opposite of the golden goose? The, the cold know. goose, you the know, or whatever. Just from keep, hell? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the hell goose. The hell I goose. Just, <laughs> just keeps just keeps laying those eggs and... You know, you're when we're talking about a marriage, right? Where where betrayal has happened, and and obviously we want to be clear, as as we say oftentimes on here, you know, there aren't excuses, but there are reasons, right? When it comes to a husband betraying a wife, or vice versa, or the things that we do in a marriage, for better or worse, there are no excuses for those things because we're all accountable for our own stuff. But there are definitely real reasons 
Yeah, there's explanations, I call them. Not excuses, but explanations. Absolutely. Right? And that kind of a dynamic is very understandable. And and so we've got a husband here, right, who for many reasons, probably similar to yourself, is is struggling to open up, to be transparent, to to advocate, right, in a healthy way. It's it, it's probably easier either to just placate or just go dark. Yep. Right? One of the two. Yep. So he, and, he needs to be more open and transparent and authentic, but at the same time, his addiction is triggering his wife, who is going into her own self-protection and struggling with the betrayal that he's creating. And so yeah. now they're both shutting down, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, and and I could see how, you know, you could see how two people here with these both with both of them having these sets of trauma triggers where you know, for example, it's not uncommon for wives to get more aggressive, right, in different ways when they feel like their spouse is shutting down, or vice versa, right? That's sure. a, that's a that's a natural tendency. But the more that she does that in a situation like this, the more there's going to be a risk that that's just going to trigger him further, right? Because yeah, because like, she kind of takes on the persona of his exactly, mom, like I said, exactly. right? Yeah. And I know, and so here was the, my wife and I laugh about this today, but boy, early in our marriage, even for the first 10 years, we would get into a scrap and disagree and kind of get into an argument. Uh And I was packing my bags because we were getting a divorce. Oh gosh. Even the smallest, smallest disagreement. I knew it's over. We're done. We're finished. And she would look at me like, why do you think we're getting a divorce? We had a disagreement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it took me forever. <clears throat> this is really the crux of what I think we can do to help this guy and all those listening. The thing that I, this, this is where the hard, hard work for me came in. I actually had to begin to dare. Well, it's, it's the name of our, it's the name <laughs> of our program, our, our other program, Dare to Connect. Yeah. I had to actually start to exercise some bravery, some courage, which scared the living daylights out of me. And I actually had to say, am I going to dare to connect with and trust my wife? Even though my brain is screaming at me, don't do it. Don't do it. Remember what happened when you tried that when you were growing up and your mother, you know, smashed you? Don't do it again. And I had to start putting myself out there, showing up and daring to be at least authentic and transparent at first in small ways. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled. I fell on my face. It was sloppy. It was messy. But over time, as we, as I dared to do it and just kept at it, even though, well, I'll tell you, my brain would finally say, see how that went when <laughs> it wouldn't go well. Yeah. And my brain would isolate. And what would I do? I'd go act out in my addiction in order to soothe and medicate the disaster that just happened. But then I would come back and try again, and try again. And over time, I learned that I learned how to be authentic and transparent and vulnerable, but it was, man, it's like you're fighting against this crazy powerful thing inside of you. That's trying to keep you from doing that at all costs. It is so hard to break through that. Yeah. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Pause. Hang on. We got to pause the recording. I'm hearing yeah, Mark, I love what you're saying about that, you know, and it really is true, right? This dare to connect concept, there is a daring to it. Um, it is, it's, I think it's scary for anyone as we talk about this on the program often, it's scary for anybody to, to get vulnerable, right? Even when, even when circumstances are optimal, 
it's hard to get open and vulnerable with people on a really deep level, especially those of us, which would pretty much be everybody. You know, all of us have had experiences that through our lives, some, some may be quote unquote bigger than others, but whether it was stuff that happened on the playground as kids or some sort of abuse or different dynamics of neglect in relationships, all of us along this journey of life, you know, we pick up messages along the way that that beat down that inner desire that all of us have to connect at, in, in one way, shape, or form, right? That in, in many ways, in some cases, that says more or less, hey, that's not safe, right? Or we don't do that. And, or, or you shouldn't go that down that road. And, you know, and, I tried, I tried that once or a few times and it didn't turn out well. Yeah. Yeah. We've been burned by that before, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't go there. And so, yeah, I love this concept of it because at some point, right, regardless, there's obviously the whole discussion that we could have about working through the trauma and that's best done in, in, in a one-on-one setting in, in our offices, you know, as therapists. Um, we also do talk a lot about that. Uh, we are able to go somewhat more in depth with that in our, in our dare to connect program, uh, which we'd encourage everybody to take a look at at dare to connect now or dare to connect now.com. Got a two week free trial. You guys can check that out and where you can kind of interact with us on a more consistent basis, three times a week. But, you know, if we set aside that dynamic for just a moment and focus on, you know, what are some of these ways, right. Where we can, uh, lead out a little bit, right. So that we can kind of start, you know, we can give a little bit and then with the, with the hope that our partner can reciprocate, right. We can kind of get back to a place where we can build. Yeah, because he oh. says, how do I get ahead of this and start trusting my wife in healthy ways, knowing her defense mechanisms? Yeah. So, gosh, there's lots of ways that you could do this. I would say that probably the step number one that needs to happen is is make sure that you're ha- when you have vulnerable conversations with your spouse, uh, this isn't just for this listener, but for everybody, would make sure that you're in the right headspace to have the conversation. Mm. Right? Make sure that, and there are a couple of ways to do that. Obviously, your own self-care should precede that. We talk about different forms of self-care on here all the time. But also making sure that you're in a place where you can be transparent and you can be, as we talked about a few weeks ago on the program, that you're in a place where you can look at your partner as a friend, right? This is somebody who has the potential to have my back, somebody who can open up to me. And if they can't, then I think that's where you start, right? That's oftentimes where I think maybe coupleships go wrong is, there are these trust issues out there, but we just try to jump into whatever topic it is and hope that it'll somehow work <laughs> as opposed to before we even have that conversation, being able to say, look, I know we're sitting down because we want to talk about, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, but I'm just honestly having a really hard time right now feeling like you've even got my back mm-hmm. before we even start. See, you know? and that, I love that because if we talk about transparency, vulnerability, it, it People say, really, does it, does it even start there? Yes. I have to tell you, I just don't trust you enough for me to even tell you what I'm feeling. I'm going to be vulnerable about why I can't be vulnerable or why I'm struggling (laughs) to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And even starting there. Yep. And, you know, if we can start the conversation there and if both parties have taken the time to you know, be developing out their own individual support systems like we talk about, and they've gotten some good self-care. And this conversation isn't being done on the fly, so people aren't being caught off guard. If a spouse is is developing out their own skill set to be able to hear and to empathize, right? And we can begin there and you guys can start practicing healthy modes of communication there. That's what's going to start creating that critical mass of safety, right? 
Just the fact that a partner can be able to hear and explore with you those feelings. Remember, guys, as, as we talk about often on here, connection has very little to do with consensus or with agreement. I don't need my partner to agree with me, nor do they need me to agree with them to, to have connection here. I need What we need is understanding, right? What we need is the capacity to be able to sit in each other's shoes, to sit in each other's pain for a bit, and be able to just understand that from their perspective, this is where they're coming from and why as much as we're able to. Yeah. And, and one of the things to remember is that this all of this work doesn't have to be these really emotionally intense situations or feelings. Yes. You know that Steve and I talk a lot about having, for example, a daily couples check-in where that's the place to practice what we're describing is <clears throat> can you just simply take a time each day to just share with, with each other what's been going on in your day? Yes. You don't have to get right to the emotional jugular, you know, jugular vein to, you know, with these really, in, why can't we succeed in talking to each other? Well, all you ever try to address are these massive issues. Heavy topics. Yeah, heavy topics. Instead, use your couple's check-in time to say, you know, here's what, here's what it was like at work for me today. I yeah. got in this little argument with my coworker and here's, here's what it felt like. Yes. That is practice with vulnerability and transparency on things that aren't so close to home to start right out of the gate. You, you, you're so right. And you know what usually gets, I was just talking to a couple about this just the other day, actually. You know what gets in the way, what I see mostly with this is people's own, people's own filter. What I mean by that is this, this couple that I'm working with, we're having this exact same conversation. And one of the things that we kind of unearth with, 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 uh, with the uh, husband in this relationship is that he, he has a lot of different feelings and emotions throughout the day, every day, but he's kind of gotten it up in his head that it's just not important stuff. And so there's not a point in sharing. It, oh yeah. Right. It's just like, well, that was just a little, a little, whatever. Right. Yep. And, and, and I, I shared an example of, of, you know, recently I, I celebrated a seven year sobriety date. And, and the example I gave him was, you know, if I share that with just general people in the world, I'm probably going to get some pat answers like, oh, hey, nice. That's really cool. Probably some other people silently in their own brain are going to say, hey, nice job on keeping the marital vows you, you signed up to commit to your whole marriage for doing that for seven whole years. You know, There might be a lot of people that may not be able to appreciate that or really sit in that with me. But being able to share that with my wife created an opportunity to celebrate it. Yeah. Because she's been through the hard with me. Yep. She knows the sacrifices. She's been a big part of the one sacrificing for that. Right. And so sharing about these little things that sometimes we just look at and automatically dismiss as, oh, that's just life, you know, or whatever. Well, if I get let down by a boss or something at work, that may not be the right thing to share with anyone else, but with a partner who I love, who is committed to me and who wants to connect with me, those should be things that I should share with so that she can celebrate my victories. She can mourn with me in the downsides. Right. That's how those little things. Yep, we call those we call those little de little daily deposits to the trust account. When we go to these really deep emotionally traumatic issues and try to navigate them without all these other little practices, I tell I I talk to clients say, look, you you make these massive withdrawals from your trust account when you haven't made the little consistent daily deposits. Yeah. You're you're in you're you're in a negative balance. There's too many withdrawals. Make the deposits. The little things matter. 
build that account up, make it robust, get a good, nice, good surplus in there so that you can then have these difficult interactions. Yes. Yeah, you're so right. And when you make the mistakes over the little things, they're much easier to work through. Yes. Right? They don't, the, the topics aren't as charged. They're not as, as difficult to overcome. So Mark, love everything you're saying. I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. And I think that's really where that, where that begins, right? Is that buildup. Um, if you haven't, if you're having a hard time as a coupleship, cause I know we got to wrap up here. If you're having a hard time tackling issues like this as a coupleship, a good place to start, and this would be the assignment I think we could give for the week is going to be looking at how do you guys connect on those little issues? Do you even connect mm-hmm. on those little issues, right? When you, when you guys do a check-in, what sorts of things are you sharing and to what depth are you sharing? Right. Because if I go, going back to my example, right. If I go have a check-in with my wife and I use terms like, oh yeah, my day was great. What is she supposed to connect with? Right. On my, on my, on my tree of connection, I've offered like one little teeny limb for her to somehow grab onto. Yep. What do I often hear? I ask my husband, how's good? (laughs) Fine. Yeah. All good. Yes. These words, right. That say nothing while saying something all at the same time. Oh man, but we are connecting. Whoa, look at that <laughs> connection. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and Mark and I, and Mark, you and I have talked about this before, both of us, I'm sure. If you if we were put on the spot right now, I could tell you, I, I know for a fact, I could tell you six emotions I've had since we started prepping for this podcast, you know, 20 minutes before we began it. Yeah. Honestly, there have been a whole range of things, right, that have happened that it would be really easy for me to label in my brain as just under the label of good. <laughs> right. But if I'm able to go to actually get real, and again, you may not want to do this with everybody, nor may it be appropriate. But if, but when I sit down with my spouse to really connect, you have to give your spouse an opportunity. You have to give them a place to put a bid on connection is what we call it. Right. You've got to give them something to be able to respond to, to reciprocate with, to resonate with, to empathize with, to celebrate, to, you know, whatever, right? We've got, and that only comes through the sharing of the details. Yep. Sharing of the little details on a daily basis. And please know this, this is a skill set. This doesn't come naturally to hardly anyone. You build this through practice, consistent, repetitive practice. And that's how, to this guy, that's how you get ahead of this. You start interacting with your wife in lots of, lots of little healthy ways. And it doesn't always have to be this, you know, massive emotional confrontation is, is the only time we communicate is when it's, you know, life and death. No, it's all the other little ways. And then let that build the foundation from which you can then start to move into these areas. Love it. That's perfect. So pick a topic guys. Pick a topic, pick up, maybe you just do a check-in and come each, each of you come up with, let's say five emotions that you felt that day and why actually really journal about that, write it out a little bit and then share with each other Yeah, and practice connecting with that other person's stuff. I can't think of a single person that would walk away from a, from a conversation where their partner is able to respond and they're genuinely interested in asking questions and you're sharing where you're going to walk away and just, geez, you just connected with me so much. I just am totally disinterested now. <laughs> right. Cause connection, that's not how it works. Right. When we open up, when people open up, others are inherently wired to reciprocate. Yes, they are indeed. So, all right, everyone, 
great to spend time with you. Uh, again, check out uh, daretoconnectnow.com if you want to get into much deeper discussions and interact with us uh, in our program there three times a week. Love to see you over there. Absolutely. And uh, we'll also see you next time on PBSE. Yep. Have a great week, everybody. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.